0: Mix in the dark. Hey, what's up? It's Mai Ying from Mix in the Dark. One evening, I was sent this video from a coworker, and he has friends and family who listen to Mix in the Dark. And basically, they were like, "You need more videos." I thought this was extremely funny, and it totally made my night. Um, Usually, I take the month of December off for the holidays, but honestly, I've been slacking. I've just been sick with baby. Baby is also sick, and we've just been so very, very busy. So just for you all, I will commit this month... I am just being thankful for my supporters and listeners and whoever sends stories to me. So this is for you, um, at least just until the last week of December. The last week is family time for me. And you all should be spending time with your family anyway, instead of listening to scary stories from Mix in the Dark. I will be in Texas during this time with my family, and as usual, I will be stuffing my face with some barbecue, so let me know some good places to try if you live there. This story is long, so I'm going to keep my intro as short as possible. It is true for some that when you experience something scary and paranormal and have gotten rid of it, talking about it may open a space for whatever it is to come back. This listener sent me a story that honestly, even I had second thoughts about telling it. However, I do feel like I have a strong spirit and foundation at home that even though it is a little creepy, I am not afraid. So let's all be brave together. Please enjoy. My parents are shamans. My dad is also a tziqin or bamboo instrument player. Tziqin and shamans are respected in our culture because they are the ones who can connect to deceased family members spiritually and provide guidance to the afterlife. From a young age, my parents taught me how to shining and daondo. Shining means to watch and interpret the shaman rituals so that any messages given could be communicated to others around if needed. Daondo means to play the drums. This is especially important during funerals because it is what aids in sending the deceased to its afterlife. My dad always says that it's good to know your roots. Since I am the youngest, he needed me to watch my mama when she goes into the spiritual world. I found importance in this, so I decided to learn. They always take me to the shaman ceremonies and funerals for the purpose of watching and learning. One day, I remember we were hanging out in the front yard, just like any other day. I was 15 years old at this time. My mama was sewing her bandao or flower cloth, and my dad was cleaning his ring instrument. I sat next to my dad while he told me his war stories. My mama chuckled and said, Ty, do you want to hear a story about you? I responded with excitement that I would love to hear. My mama laughed at me and said, when you turned 10, you had your first scary experience with us. Do you still want to hear? I laughed about it since I knew my mama was a jokester and I figured it was probably just another one of her exaggerated stories. I moved away from my dad and sat next to my mama. My mama told me the story in Hmong, and of course, when the elders tell tales in our mother language, it's always creepier. She started telling the story. That night was a lot darker and colder than other nights at the funeral home. The funeral was for this older grandma. They said that when she died, her face turned black and blue really quick. Apparently, she died in the bathroom of her son's house and they found her with her tongue sticking out. Your dad was the tzikeng that the grandma requested before she passed away. Her son claimed that she only wanted your dad and if not him, she would not be happy. That night, your dad wanted to go home for an hour to change and shower before coming back to the funeral home. While we were walking out, we passed the stairs that go up to the owner's office or whatever that may be up there. You whispered to me that you heard a loud shuffle like someone was rushing but dragging their feet and then a loud cry like an older woman. I looked up to the staircase and then back at you. Then I grabbed your dad and gave him the look. Couples have different looks that they give each other and each look signals differently. Your dad knew that particular look that I gave him, so your dad grabbed you to stand in between us and he said, don't be scared, your mom and dad are here. As we walked through the hallway, the restroom at the end where we got to made a loud creak and that's when we heard a loud bang like someone was thrown to the floor. I saw you looking at the restroom and you said, mom, why is she waving at me to go in there? There's an older grandma standing there in home smiling at me, and her tongue is sticking out. She's looking at me. That's when I grabbed you and rushed out the door of that funeral home by your father. He went back into that restroom with some older men, and when he came out, he told us that we were going to stay at the house and not come back to the funeral home. When we got home, your dad chanted some words and tied a red string on your wrist. Later that night, I saw you standing in the living room with no lights on besides the one in the hallway. I watched you for a couple of minutes to see what you were doing. You stood for a bit, then repeatedly mumbled something in the middle of the living room with your eyes closed. I did not hear what you said until you said that you would let her in. That was when my mama paused and I told her that I remember her holding a shaman knife in her hand, swinging it around and chanting and yelling at something. I remember my mama looked really angry. My mama then explained, I did that to get rid of whoever followed you home. I was freaked out, but you know parents, they always say, was she a law? Meaning, don't be scared. My mama then explained that I got sick for a week and they ended up doing a big ritual for me to see if they can figure out the cause of this. I don't recall much of this event, I only remember waking up in the middle of the living room and standing there just looking at my mama, chanting and yelling with her shaman knife. I can't say it didn't scare me because it really did. At the age of 19, things started getting weird for me. My dad passed away when I was 16 and my family moved out of state. I stayed back in California with my oldest sister and her kids. My parents have always told me not to go out late and not to come home late because we have this superstition that something may follow you home. I was young and wanted to hang out with my friends. I remember it was a Friday night and the plan was to hang out at one of our other friends' houses. My homegirl Laura, her little brother Jimmy, and my homeboy King picked me up from my sister's house. When I got inside the car, King got off the phone and said that there's been a change of plans. We were now going to Katie's house instead. Katie is King's special crush and potential future girlfriend. They were what we would call not in love, but in like with each other. Anyways, Laura and Jimmy were down for it, but I honestly wasn't feeling the idea of going there. I tried to come up with some excuses. I tried to convince them by saying that she lived 30 minutes away it was almost 12 a.m she lived in the boonies and that her house gives off an odd vibe also she's been having really weird dreams about me laura kang and jimmy brushed it off and argued that it is because my parents implanted the whole shamanism thing in my head so i am overthinking we ended up going there for some odd reason that night was darker creepier than usual, and her house itself seemed darker than before. The truth is, that dang house does give off an odd vibe. That part I was genuine about. It always felt like someone was watching you all the time. Every time I go there, goodness, I always come home to have the same dream. It's always that I'm walking on this dark, empty road going up the mountains with this person. I can't even tell if this person was a man or a woman. It would walk with me, breathe down my neck, and every time I tried to run, it'll end up chasing me. In my dreams, you could hear the ring and drums playing, and after it's done, you could hear this thing mumbling words. Before I wake up, it'll say, Stay. Stay so we can go together. I could never tell if it is a man or a woman's voice. I would wake up in a cold sweat. When we pulled up to Katie's house, we had to park on the street since the driveway was packed. Katie's house had no street lights. Her family does not leave the front porch light on either. If you go down a mile, you would see a dim street light. The main street is right in front of her house. Across her street from the main road, there is a 65-acre land with waist-high grass. When we got out of the car, Lauren King walked off, first yelling to us in Mong: You guys don't have to lock the door. We're out in the boonies, and no one is going to do anything. Jimmy needed to tie his shoes, so we were left on the street by ourselves for a few minutes. Jimmy suddenly said to me, Hey, did you know that this street that is in front of us right now, the one that we're standing on, people in this town say they've heard cries, like a woman crying people have died on this road. You know all the crazy stuff like rapes, car accidents, and suicides? Yeah, those type of stuff. I paused to look at the anchor of land as he was telling me this because I thought I heard a strange cry coming from across the street. It wasn't a baby cry, it was more like a grown woman crying in pain or in sadness. In the back of my mind, I told myself, eh, maybe it's just me imagining things. When I saw Jimmy giving me this look, like he heard it too. As Jimmy stood up, we saw the high-waisted grass move with an even louder cry. We locked eyes and ran. We ran to the backyard since everyone was out in the back. Jimmy ran ahead of me, but I caught up and I ran past him. Jimmy kept yelling my name and yelling for me to wait for him. Then I heard him say, don't touch me. When I heard that, I glanced back and that's when I saw something running behind him. That scared me to death. We just kept running. When we got to everyone, I looked back at Jimmy, who reached us just a few seconds later. He was pale white. Don't get me wrong, I felt bad that I ran ahead of him, but I was scared. We both were scared. As Jimmy walked slowly toward me, he grabbed my left arm and asked me quietly with his shaken, angry voice. He said, Why didn't you wait for me? You saw it, didn't you? It was tugging me. Did you see it? What was it? Answer me!" I wasn't able to explain to him what I thought I might have seen. I just kept thinking that it was dark and the mind plays tricks when we hear a scary story in the dark. But when I looked at Jimmy, I realized that everyone had their eyes on us. That's when my friend Sue came up to us and said, Let me guess, you two heard something or felt like something was chasing you guys, right? That's why you two ran up on everyone? I told him no because I didn't want to scare him and everyone else that was there. But then he smirked at us and whispered, It's okay you guys. I already experienced it. A couple of months ago, Long and I came here to hang out with Katie and her girls. When we got out of the car that time, we heard cries too. My parents had to do a ritual to help me spiritually. I got sick for a month, and according to the shaman, she's looking for her lost partner. My parents had to change my name. In the Hmong culture, a name change happens as a way to mask the identity of the person from spirits or demons following that person. Jimmy and I looked at Sue like he's probably just full of it and trying to scare us even more. So I quietly told Lauren King that we should go home and not stay here anymore. Before leaving, I called myself and Jimmy's spirit home in case we lost it on that scare. If you are unfamiliar with this, folks believe that if something scares you, it may be possible that your spirit left your body during that scare because it feels unsafe. Calling it back to your body where you got scared is the proper way to reconnect to your spirit. If you do not call your spirit back and it gets lost in that area, you may be in danger because your body is basically a vessel for demons and evil spirits at that point. Laura and King laughed at me, saying that it was not necessary. They joked, saying that we scared everyone when we ran up to them, so we shouldn't be picking up our spirits. I felt like they did not understand our fear that night. When I got in the car, I noticed how scared Jimmy was, so I told him to be brave and not to be scared. When I got home, I made a three-way call to Laura and King and finally told them what actually happened. I told them to tell their parents because elders tend to know how to read the air when it comes to these types of situations. King proceeded to tell me that there is no such things as spirits roaming around. When people die, they die. Nothing else happens. Laura goes to church. Her opinion was similar. She explained that the night plays tricks. That night when I got home, I laid on the couch in the living room just to relax. My niece was still up watching her anime shows on the floor. I had a conversation with her for a few minutes when I saw a woman come from the laundry room to the living room. I couldn't see her face, but she started to walk toward me. I watched her stand at the end of my foot, just looking at me. I tried to get up and my body felt weak. I felt like someone was holding me down. My body gave up. The woman or that thing started to slowly climb on top of me. She placed one of her hands on my neck and started choking me. Her other hand was clawing deep into my chest and stomach. Like I said, I couldn't see her face. Her hair covered her face but I could see her mouth and I heard her crying and screaming. She had this rotten smell on her. I saw blood dripping from her mouth and I could feel it drip on my face. It rolled down my neck. I tried to push her off. My niece was sitting there and she didn't see any of this. I tried to call out to my niece, but she did not hear me. Then I heard a loud knocking like someone using a key to knock on the windows. I could hear the sound of a person whispering and then I saw a figure of a man behind the window. He kept knocking and whispering. I couldn't hear him clearly since I was calling for my niece to help me. All of a sudden, the whistling sound got closer and louder. I called and cried for my niece, but she still could not hear me. I saw her still laying on the floor watching her anime. It was as if she was ignoring me. Then I looked up to the woman who was right on top of me now with her hands wrapped around my neck. She suddenly stopped. She slowly moved closer to my face and whispered, I will never... That's when my niece and sister woke me up. I probably gave them a scare. Apparently, I was shaking, choking, and mumbling words. I realized that I probably had a sleep paralysis episode. I got up, looked around, and cursed at whatever that thing was, and then I told my sister what happened. She freaked out. She told me to call mom and to stay up until sunrise. I called my mama that morning. I called my mama and told her what happened and that I was worried. I thought that maybe when Jimmy called my name while running, whatever it was probably followed me home because now it knew my name. My mama was mad at me because I did not listen to her. She told me not to be scared and that she will take care of it. That afternoon when I got out of the shower, I noticed scratch marks around my body and my back. I showed them to my sister. She called the missionaries to come bless me and to bless her home. I guess it didn't work because that night, I got the same sleep paralysis episode and it resulted in new scratches over my body. I had it on my back, my chest, my legs, and the side of my stomach. One night, I got a phone call from Jimmy. His voice was shaking. He told me that he has been getting sleep paralysis episodes since that night. Before it happens, he wouldn't know if he was dreaming or awake that night when he came home, he was talking to his mom when her voice seemed to fade out. He saw her walk into the kitchen. Her back was toward him as she opened the fridge. She then heard a woman singing kutia or Hmong chanting. He thought it was his mom since she liked to sing kutia, but then this woman crawled on top of him. He described the woman and mentioned that she seemed angry. She choked him and kept saying, I've been looking for you for so long. Similarly, Jimmy also could not see her face, but could feel blood dripping on him as if her mouth was bleeding. He explained that Laura woke him up because it looked like he was choking and it scared her. I told him to call his parents and to tell them what happened. I also told him that the same thing happened to me. A couple of days later, I got a phone call from Laura that her parents had a priest come over to bless him and to cleanse their house. Laura said that Jimmy is doing a little better and that he's staying in and will recover for a while since he's sick. My mama also called me afterwards and said she spoke with my dad's student who lives in California. She said that the student will tie the red, black, and white string around my wrist and my ankle. After we hung up, my oldest sister and I went to the shaman lady's house. When we got there, she stared at me, glanced around my surroundings, and then she asked us to come inside her house. Her house had a dark vibe to it, and she had those cut-up paper figures and hung it around her home. The shaman lady chanted some words and tied a string on my wrist and ankle as a blessing. Then she yelled at me and said, "'Why didn't you listen to your mama's words?' The elders always say, do not go out late. The shaman lady told me that she did a ritual for me a day before I got there. She didn't tell me what she came across, but she told my mama and explained that it was not good. She then told me to stay in for the next two days and three nights. I guess my brain only heard, go out. And so, what did I do that night? I went out. My homegirl, Laura, scooped me up right around 11 p.m., During the ride to go hang out with some friends, Laura and I were joking and laughing, and without me realizing it, we ended up at Katie's house… again. I was dumbfounded. I looked at my homegirl like, girl, what are we doing here? I thought we were supposed to go to King's house. Her response was that everyone was kicking it there instead. She told me that it would be alright. I was pissed, but we were already there, what could I do about it, plus she was my ride home. We hung out for about an hour and that's when I started to feel strange. I felt like someone was watching me from afar. I started to get chills, so I told Laura that I wanted to go home and for us to just leave quietly. Laura gave me a look like she was feeling the same, so we left home. On the ride home, Laura said to me that she too also felt like someone was watching her. She started feeling lightheaded and chills. She even said she felt like someone was tugging her ear. Since that night, I would have a dream about the same woman and man. They looked to be aged 19 to 23. I was constantly getting sleep paralysis by the same woman, and I heard the knocking at my door by the same man. Every time I was in a sleep paralysis episode, I would wake up and curse at it. I would tell that thing that I was going to chop it up into two and three pieces. I would then spit at it. She would be more aggressive the next night. I would also constantly hear the same man knocking at my windows, whistling louder and louder. My mama yells at me every time I tell her about my dreams and my sleep paralysis. She would tell me the same thing, which is to go home, meaning to go to her house. When I was 23 years old, I decided to go home to my mama. What drove me home wasn't because I was seeing this woman or that I constantly heard that man knocking at my window and whistling. It was because of the dreams that I've dreamt. I would dream that the woman brought a coffin with her. She would drag her coffin mumbling words, laughing and crying. She would sit on her coffin screaming or just sit there looking at me with no eyes. I couldn't make out her face but her mouth was dripping blood. She had long black hair. Some nights she would bring my dad with her. He scared me the most. Remember, my dad has already passed. Some nights he would come with her in their coffins. He would cry, sing, and play his ring. She would follow from behind him, laughing. He always had this angry look. The nights he was not playing his ring, he would carry a stick with nails on it. You could see money coins on the Hmong clothes rattling, like someone jumping up and down wearing them. Then my dad and his friends will come carrying their ring. You could see the drums set up for a funeral. They would tie my hand with a red cloth and drag me out. The woman would bring my dad to come and beat me with his stick with the nails on it. He would beat me until I am bloody. On the nights that he came without his ring. He would play it while sitting there just staring at me angrily with his rotten bloody face and rotten smell. I went home to my mama finally. When I got home, my mama did a hoopli or soul calling for me. During this ceremony, shamans may interpret the chicken's feet based on its form. I'm not too sure on how all of this works, but my chicken was not good. She never finished telling me why it wasn't good She just grabbed the chicken's feet and went outside. I could hear her saying words that were not clear. Afterwards, she threw it outside. My mama was mad and worried. She called another shaman to come do a bigger ritual for me. That shaman was also one of my dad's students. My mama explained to him what happened with my chicken and what's been going on. He told my mama he'll look on his end and call my mama when he finds something. When he called back, he told us that we needed a sheep and that we would do the ritual in two days. The following morning, I woke up in the living room. It seemed I passed out on the floor. My mom asked me if I was okay. I looked at her confused and said yes, but why is she asking? She then asked if I recalled anything and why I was sleeping on the floor instead of sleeping on my bed. I was going to respond to her, but then I saw my forearms, my wrist just bruised up like someone was gripping me. That's when my mama told me that I walked around the house very slowly with no lights on around 3am this morning. My sister-in-law woke me up and she tried to walk me back to bed, but I angrily yelled at her while smiling. My mama explained that when she came over to see what was happening, my eyes were closed but my hands were out like someone was holding my hands and guiding me to walk. I kept saying she wants to walk around the house with me and that she wanted to take me somewhere. Then I sat on the floor in the living room and laughed like a crazy person before reaching my hands out and then finally falling asleep. My mama tried waking me up, but I just could not wake up. My mama ended up begging the earth, heavens, and the ancestors to come help. She even called for my father to come help. Afterwards, she said I opened my eyes and said, Don't be scared, Mama. It's going to be okay. My Mama slept on the couch while I slept on the floor. I freaked out after she told me that. I told her that I don't remember any of that. I only remember needing to use the bathroom, which is why I got up. That day, I was so tired. You could say I was weak. I did not have an appetite and did not want to get out of bed at all. My mama placed her shaman knife under my pillow that night. She chanted to the knife before laying it under my pillow and told me not to be afraid and that I needed to fight to get better. When the ritual came around, my family prepped the sheep and chickens. The shaman wanted only the immediate family. I wasn't feeling well that day. I told my mama again, I'm just so tired, I'm exhausted. But she told me I had no choice but to do what I was told. The ritual was for the shaman to bring my spirit home. My mama and my oldest brother were at the door while the shaman, his two men and I came to the door. The shaman asked my mama and brother if I was their lost daughter and sister so that I could come home. After the ritual was done, my mama and the shaman kept the reading to themselves. They did not tell me what was going on besides, don't be sad, everything will be okay from now on. Your spirit is finally home and we got rid of both of them, the woman and the man and the figure of your dad. I stopped getting sleep paralysis and I stopped having nightmares about them. All was fine until my mom passed away. I was 26 and they came back. That will be a story for another time. Thank you for listening to Mix in the Dark. I am your host, Mai Ying. Mix in the Dark is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast series. If you have a story that you would like to share, please send it to mixinthedark at gmail.com. If there's a story that you really enjoyed, feel free to hit up my tip jar on Venmo. Just search Mix in the Dark on the business tab.